0: Hi everyone, I'm Nicole. And I'm Bernie. You are listening to Woke Woke Docs, a podcast about the lives of women of color in medicine. All views are those of the person speaking, not their employer.
1: Today we'll be listening to an amazing person who we are blessed to call our friend, Jess Valdez. Jess is a second year medical student at UCSF who we met through the Prime US program, describing herself as the compassionate sunshine friend and vulnerability queen. Jess will take us through her windy journey into and
0: through medicine. In this conversation, we discover how her hopes to become a doctor come from someone very special to her, who has enabled her to find grounding, motivation, and healing in herself and the work she does. At the end of this episode, you'll also hear one of Jess's beautiful poems and begin to understand why we love her and value her friendship.
1: In this episode, we also welcome guest co-host E.V.A.,
0: who is a fellow UCSF medical student and friend. So stay woke, y'all, and thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Okay. I'm ready, yeah. Jess, we are so grateful to have you here with us it's and to so call you a great friend of ours. Aww, it's so good to be here. Yep, we first met Jess through the PRIME program at UCSF And Jess is the homie, (laughs) y'all. Jess is the homie. And so we want to start off this podcast really centered on
2: you. And so if you could pick three words to describe yourself, what would you choose and why? Um, So I've thought about this, and I instead flipped the question to be, like, what three things, like, my friends would think about me. Mm -hmm. And um, I... The first thing that came to mind was I have a friend who, um, recently referred to me as a sunshine friend, and I thought it was really funny. <laughs> <is> so
0: true,
2: <laughs> <really cute>. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think optimistic and sunshiny is mm-hmm. like one category of words, I guess. Um, <clears throat> um, I want to, s- okay, so this is, like, each of them are going to be two words, basically. But vulnerability queen. Mm. I uh, love crying, and I've been doing that a lot more these days. But it's, like, really cathartic and really necessary. Mm. Um, and I just love being in vulnerable spaces with people. Mm. Just building that connection. And I feel like that's where all, um, all the richness is, you know. Um, and I guess the last one. Uh, is compassionate I um, tend to live my life in in the gray you know and I feel that life isn't black and white Um, and I feel myself like finding so much compassion for people and for things and places that um, maybe other people might not generally find so yeah, and just being in this work of medicine, and I feel like that has come out even more so. Um, yeah, so compassionate, vulnerability queen, and sunshiny.
0: <laughs> this is why we love Jess, y'all. Yeah, this is literally words. why we love
2: you. I love you guys. <laughs>
3: I really especially love Vulnerability Queen, because I think, especially in medicine, we're in a position where people can be vulnerable with Mm -hmm. us, and so I think it's so good that you can embrace that in yourself, and also are comfortable being around other people being vulnerable, so I think that's just really beautiful.
2: Thank you. It took a long time to realize that that was, like, something that I loved about myself. I mean, growing up, everybody in my family had told me, like, um... You know, I was la I was La Llorona, I cried all the time, so that was viewed in a negative connotation, but uh, I don't know, it, recently, I read a lot of books, like Brene Brown, are you guys mm. familiar with her? Oh my god, she's yeah. phenomenal, and I was, like, that was, like, the first time that I was, like, I'm really powerful, and I'd never viewed myself in that light before, and that's where I'm, like, um, I don't know, I thought Vulnerability Queen fit really well together, but thank you, yeah.
0: Can you talk to us more about your journey into medicine? Have these traits always been with you since the beginning and how have they stayed with you throughout this journey?
2: Yeah, um, so, my journey into medicine has been um, very windy, I guess. Um, I remember my mom would always ask, me when I was little, or adults in general would always ask, you know, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my mom would, I don't remember this, but my mom would tell me that I always said I wanted to help people. And um, eventually that became, like, I wanted to be a doctor. I just didn't really know what that meant at the time. Um, And, like, when I got to high school, I had that image and that thought in my head and i wanted to be a doctor and i would tell people about that and i would always get feedback like oh are you sure you want to do that like that's a really long road mm-hmm. and that really turned me off as a child and um as a as a teen and i was like well maybe i don't want to do this and i don't know if that was just like um i yeah i don't know it was a confidence thing and i didn't know how to deal with that response um <clears throat> But I so I like kind of stepped away from it when I got to college. I like was still very much interested in science and how um, the human body worked and um, and health. I was so in that realm. Um, But then I like. Uh, I, st- I I majored in biology, and when I went to college, and I went to University of San Diego, um, which is a very liberal arts small college in San Diego, um, and I um, yeah I still stuck to science, but there was like something in me that was like not satisfied. I wanted to like do something in healthcare, and I wanted to um, originally when I got to college, I was like, I really want to find cures for for diseases that are there are no cures um, and to be able to um, bioengineer things And that was like my main interest at the time. And still I was still receiving the feedback of like um, if I like had ever said I was interested in being a doctor or a physician, they'd be l- it was the same thing. It was like, oh, that's a really long road. Are you sure about that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and it wasn't until um, around and, – and throughout this time, by the way, like w- in high school, um, like mid-high school, my dad actually was diagnosed with a really rare neurodegenerative disease called multiple system atrophy. Um, and it basically is – it's in – it's a complicated disease, but it's within the same family as Parkinson's and um, dementia with Lewy bodies, like pathophysi- patho- pathology wise. Um, um, But it basically meant that my dad was like, he lost his balance and coordination and he went from like using a cane to a walker to a wheelchair and then he was bedridden for like over the span of 11 years. So it was like really, really fucking hard. (laughs) Um, And I, when I was like closer to the end of his life, which was when I was in my final year of college, I really was more leaning more and more towards medicine and really taking like becoming a physician more seriously. Um, Because of like the experience of having, being a family member of a patient and we like, I mean I grew up as a child of Mexican immigrants in a small suburb of LA that is known to be very wealthy um, and it was hard growing up in that respect so like but we didn't have any health care growing up and that was reflected in the way that my dad received his care like we he had Social Security luckily at the time because he was older when he was diagnosed um, but some of the doctors that we saw weren't the greatest. I never saw a doctor, like a woman of color as a physician. I never saw anybody who looked like me. There were, spe- I mean, particularly I'm talking about the specialists, you know, cause this is a neurological condition. Mm-hmm. And th- i never once, w- I mean, we always had to have a translator and that was mainly like somebody in our family, mm-hmm. like my brothers or, or myself. Um, and I was just like, this shouldn't be the way medicine should work, you know, Um, and, and, like, there were instances where we were, we had doctors that were amazing and phenomenal, and they were great, but, like, more often than not, it was the opposite, Um, so that experience, and then, um, I don't know, I was out to prove myself, too, a little bit, Mm -hmm. I think, so I, like, didn't have competitive enough grades for medical school um and like I would have been fine with them I, I was like a B student um in college and I really I knew I really wanted to do this and so I took some time off and, and like so my dad um passed away two months before I graduated college which was hard because I really wanted him to see me graduate um, but with everything going on I took some I took like half a year to a year off to just like um focus on myself and focus on my feelings and grieve Mm -hmm. um and then I took that time to really dive deeper into a career in medicine and I started working for um a doctor a dermatologist in Santa Monica which was um an interesting experience but I'm really glad I did it I got to see what the life of a like a private practice was and I did it was my first like patient encounter type of experience which mm-hmm. was really cool mm-hmm. um and I also worked as a receptionist a uh, front desk person in, at a pediatrics office um and that was when I was like okay like I'm I'm being bold and pushing putting my foot in the water I guess mm-hmm. or and um that was when I was like yeah I'm gonna do this and um to tackle the um obstacles of applying to medical school I decided to do the post program which yeah. uh Nicole
1: we did at different times yeah but that's how we met yeah
2: yeah totally through Valerie and Colin. yeah mm-hmm. um so I did that like the following year I graduated from college I did that for a year and it was like the hardest year of my life <laughs> mm. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, I like but it was also so full of growth and I, like, man, I don't know. <laughs> I look back at that year fondly, but also with a lot of difficulty. Um, <laughs> because I, it was nonstop working. Like, I got there, and I started studying for the MCAT. I took the MCAT. At the end of the summer, I realized I had to retake it, but then classes were starting, and, like, went nonstop for classes. I had to do well to increase and boost my GPA. And then winter break came and I was like, all right, well I gotta study for the MCAT. So it was like, I didn't have a break at all. And it was around that time that I had like a little bit of a mental breakdown. And I say this because I wanna destigmatize it. And also because it was such an important part of my life that I um, was able to overcome but it was so terrifying in the moment, and I like went through a lot of therapy, and a lot of yoga, a lot of meditation that healed, helped heal me eventually. Um, but it was also like another reason why I wanted to continue this work in medicine. Um, yeah, I feel like every part of my life is like confirming more and more why I want to go why I'm in this work. Um the
0: universe is giving you signs.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's such a huge time. Oh no. my god, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Um but yeah. Um and then I like after I finished the post back, I decided to take more time off because, because of that incident of like my mental breakdown or as Brene Brown calls it is the spiritual awakening and I like Mm -hmm. that better. Um, And um, that I decided to just concentrate on myself more and I taught yoga, I learned, I got my yoga teacher certification and I taught yoga in LA for a little bit to um, underserved populations, mainly like People who were living in transitional housing centers, Um, and it was like the most incredible experience to learn from them. Like I, they were like excited to for to learn about this new like method of meditation and mindfulness. But I was more like I'm blown away by by them and what they taught me. Um, and that led to more healing in my in in my repertoire, I guess. And then I also took some time to um, work as a paraeducator and that is basically a teaching assistant in uh, for elementary school kids in Ventura County who had moderate to severe autism. And I stayed with that job for about a year while doing some yoga stuff too on the side. Um, and it was just such a fun year and at that, this time was when I was, uh, yeah, anyway, so the first year I was mainly like focused on healing and yoga and then the second year was more yoga and, (laughs) and, uh, teaching with, um, the elementary kids. Um, and that was when I was applying to medical school and it was just so much fun to dive into different avenues because I, um, I don't know, it was very important for me to, to, figure out what exactly I wanted to do in medicine, and um, um, that was another way I could see myself healing, is by being an educator, and by helping kids that needed it most. And those kids also taught me so much, too. Like, the more I, I worked with them, they, oftentimes I remember feeling like, whenever they were in so much distress, I I know exactly what they're feeling. I'm just like I know. I I or I I can imagine at least like what it's it must be like mm-hmm. because I've I don't know, they've taught me so much about how um my mental illness and my health and uh wellness are and what it feels like to um be in such distress and not be able to communicate it with people and that's what I f- could feel was similar in my life um, not to s- not to say that I know what th- exactly what they're going through because I don't mean it that way but like i I, f- I could feel so connected to them in that way um, yeah and then after that I applied and I am here now so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but anyway that was that is like my long convoluted journey to medicine
1: that's awesome what is what what are your dreams within medicine?
2: Um, there's so many, and I don't know <laughs> how how to make some of them reality or not. Um, one of my dreams that I have discovered recently since, like, halfway through first year um, was realizing that I love being with women and taking care of women and... Realizing that, um, I don't know. This is mainly like, of all the years that I've spent post college living with my mom, how powerful of a woman she is, and how I want to be just at least half the woman that she is. I like, she has been my main influencer in terms of um, figuring out that I wanted to work with women, mm-hmm. and. Um, this is kind of going back to like my birth story, I guess. Um, she, well, not my birth story, but like my brother's birth story. Anyway, her in general. She, <laughs> <laughs> she was pregnant with my oldest brother um, and she had a very healthy pregnancy, delivered, um, but like had a kind of complicated delivery. She wasn't able to like, um, she wasn't dilated enough essentially, and so they had to do a C-section, and everything went fine, supposedly, but um, she told me that when she was discharged, she um, didn't feel right, and she was also like recently immigrated into this country, didn't really speak the language, and felt like she couldn't talk to anybody about it, and um, she basically had a very horrible infection, and she was sent home with one. Um, and she was, I don't even remember, I, I don't remember what she told me, like how long she was at home for, but it w- it was days that she was with this infection. And luckily one of her friends came by to visit the baby and saw my mom and was like, we need to take you to the hospital right now. And my mom went and the doctors had said that if she had stayed, um, home one more day, this infection would have spread to her heart and it would have killed her. And it just was like, it just explains so much, right? And even to this day, like, um, I recently was looking at a post on Facebook about how the mortality rate among women who, especially women of color, um, who deliver postnatally are, is, is just atrocious and has been skyrocketing in the United States. And, like, I wish, like, my dream is to be the doctor that um, – my mom could have had mm-hmm. um, during that time, and to help women of color, immigrants, and underserved um, women essentially get through what is supposed to be some like the happiest time of their life, mm-hmm. um, and it's such an intimate p- part of the of a woman's body, and it's such a big oppor- a, a big honor in, in my eyes to be able to help women with this part of their life. Um, so yeah, anyway, I could go on and on about <laughs> taking care of women, but that's one of my, that's like my main dream, I think right now, my main goal. And to, I, I think when I talk about like my interest in ob um, there's so many avenues I could go. Mm-hmm. I, one of them also that I'm interested in is like, um, teen and adolescent gynecology, because I think educating teenagers and young women about sex and safe sex practices and consent and uh, relationships and what it means to be in healthy relationships is so, so important and so empowering um, because that's exactly what I wanted, what I would have wanted in my life. Mm -hmm. Had I had some doctor who possibly looked like me who could talk to me about what it is like to have a healthy relationship with another person, it would have changed the game. Like it would have been so amazing. Um, So anyway, like those two things are what I dream of. And like, I don't know, um, being in prime is, um, I have a lot of dreams in terms of health equity for everybody and um, I don't know, there's, a lot of dreams that I have in my head that I can't seem to articulate right now, but um, I, right now, I think the thing that's on my mind is women, and um, I mean, particularly because I'm on this podcast right now, and being a woman of color and helping women in general.
0: All of us are, like, definitely smiling in the room for our listeners because, (laughs) just oh, my gosh, just, I am just so touched by you every time we talk again I think this really speaks to the whole vulnerability queen thing but there is just like so much genuity and so much honesty in those dreams and I think what is especially incredible about that is that we meet so many medical students and residents and physicians who are like burnt the fuck out or just like really jaded by the system and like oftentimes we're like yeah, me and Nicole oftentimes are like, yo, why are we here? <laughs> like, can we like really survive this? No, right. Yeah. What keeps you grounded in this journey to all of that,
2: everything you've just said? I think it goes back to my mom. <laughs> um, and I don't know, my the people that I love so much. It's you guys in Prime and uh, just wonderful friendships. That have become family more so, um, and my mom like I <laughs> she I I can't even I'm a, at a loss for words when I think about her and sometimes it brings tears to my eyes because she is the most amazing woman and person I know in my life and she is the one that um, I mean like what I do now is for me, but a big part of it is for her. Like almost all, all of what I do is for her and for myself. Um, and um, just talking to her on the phone, and she just, she's a talker, she talks a lot. <laughs> but it's okay. funny because she like, goes, 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 goes. And right, then like all her moms Yeah. It <laughs> <laughs>
3: must
0: be
2: like a woman of color mom thing. Probably, yeah. <laughs>
3: Immigrant moms just love to chat up their daughters. (laughs) Like, oh, absolutely. (laughs) Very involved, but it's just a part that's just them showing how they care and their love of us.
2: Yeah, exactly. exactly. And it's funny for to me though, because she'll go like just start talking and won't stop, but then she'll like, um, she gets really shy with people that she doesn't like, my friends or something, and I'm just like. But you're amazing, you don't understand. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <I totally know. laughs> you don't have to be shy. Right. It's just like, Mika, I'm so shy. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. And
0: oftentimes my mom's like that and I'm like, who are you? Like
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um And I recently moved to uh what is it? Forest Knolls, right by like aldea and yeah yeah, sutra what is it mount sutra yeah Mm -hmm. and the forest there is just beautiful Mm -hmm. and I I've been running in that forest and it just there's not many people that go there it's not like golden gate park and it's so amazing even just walking through it and it smells like eucalyptus everywhere I don't know it's so (laughs) healing yeah
0: and then what about your poetry I know that has that always been a thing for you? It's been
2: off and on. I used to write a lot more um, when I was in when I was younger, actually, and like <laughs> I um, never really considered myself a poet until like I was reflecting on my life, and I've, I think I've told you guys this before, but in elementary school, you know how they give out awards for like best listener and like great at mathematics <laughs> <And> <laughs> mine was um poet laureate and that's when I was like you know what I am a poet because they gave me that award in fifth grade and, I was
3: like, <laughs> and that counts girl. yeah
2: <laughs> yeah yeah um so I was writing a lot in high school because I was like a very angsty teen and it would help to get not on the <laughs> <wrong. laughs> <laughs> I don't really hit you yeah, <laughs> I can I can relate yes uh, it was uh very helpful for me in my teenage years and then I kind of like stepped away from it and I think that was reflective of what was going on in my life at the time and like um it, dealing with my dad's disease and school and feeling um I guess not good enough in a way, and writing is so interesting to me because it can be scary at times to write down what I'm feeling and have it, like, be truth. Mm -hmm. I I think it's I don't know it it terrifies me sometimes, but that's also the healing part. Mm -hmm. But putting like actually first writing down a word is the hardest part Mm -hmm. I think for me. So I and I get caught up in that, and then I just think about it, and then I just don't write for a while. But then once I start writing, I'm just like, this is just what I needed. I don't know what I've been doing. Um, and I got back into it right before med school, and I was lucky enough to find this beautiful healing space in the mission called um, uh, Lunada. And every month on the night of the full moon, they people uh, come together, um, Latinx people come together, and just recite poetry and encourage each other and it's like this one big family and I felt at home for the first time while mm-hmm. living here in San Francisco um, and it was so, so beautiful. Unfortunately, that space um, is probably not going to be around anymore um, because of gentrification and other things but, uh, but it has writing poetry has still stuck with me and I um, have written a lot about like things that are going on in the world and my feelings on them and it's helped me get through really tough times in med school so yeah I I think right now it's very much a part of my life and it's also one thing that grounds me as well Mm -hmm. yeah
3: and you mentioned that you did yoga a lot or like there was two years where yoga seemed like a really restorative practice for you. Yeah. Is that something that you still do or, you know, maybe you have free classes for friends or things <laughs> like that.
0: Where the coupons <laughs> at. Yeah. <laughs> Love to
2: teach you guys yoga. Um, it's weird because I think now I'm getting more into the meditative part mm. of yoga mm-hmm. and um, um I don't. Yeah, it's interesting. I, ever since medical school started, I've been more into using my body for running and um, less of it for yoga. And I'm still figuring out why that's the case. I think I just need needed like a little break from it because I I got what I needed from it at the time when I was healing, mm-hmm. um, and meditation has just been exactly what I meditation and running has been exactly what I needed at the time for now um and I but I have been doing yoga sporadically this year and the times that I do do it it's just phenomenal and I remember like all the things that I used to do um and teaching I think I have more fun teaching it and I think because I'm in med school Mm -hmm. I don't have that opportunity Mm -hmm. um so, yeah, I would love to teach you guys, though, if you want. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah. so yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so you, I, you mentioned something that a lot of the people that we've interviewed before mentioned, and it's about finding community outside of medical school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I think because you're a medical student, I feel like you're doing it right now. That's, like, part of your process. So how, what advice do you have for students to find that, or what... How did you go about doing it?
2: You, like finding community within med school outside, or outside? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's still a process for me. Um, I had, I, this goes back to when I did my yoga teacher training. I did it here in San Francisco. And I had, I met such beautiful, beautiful people in that program. And some of them are still in San Francisco, some of them have moved away. Um, but through that, and also through a few good friends from college, like my I got introduced to their friends who mm-hmm. are in the city and um, i I have really really I can think of really good friends right now um that are not in medicine at all, but are doing phenomenal things. My friend, Lindsay, she works for Youth Speaks. Mm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that organization, but it's a spoken word um, slash poetry organization tailored to um, getting, uh, for youth, to um, be a part of spoken word in that community. And, I just this last summer, part of what I did was I, because of Lindsay, this friend that I met through a friend of a friend in college, um, she, um, I went to Brave New Voices in Houston, which is this big poetry slam that they have every year for youth specifically. And teams from all over the world come to compete um, and just throw amazing oh my god it's just like it gives me chills (laughs) when I think about it um and I helped to I was the they had mental health volunteers and I was one of them and I just was really just part of the support for people because poetry is really vulnerable and can bring up a lot of things for people um and through that experience I met a lot of the people who come together to make that space, Brave New Voices and for Youth Speaks. So I know a lot of people in the Youth Speaks organization and I um I I don't talk to them often but I consider them part of my community and mm-hmm. part of the people that I am I look up to and that are also healers in their own way. Um but yeah it's still a work in progress. I it's hard to get It's hard to not get caught up in the workings of medical school and just there's so, it's such a huge class that you see each other every single day and it's, it can be overwhelming (laughs) sometimes. Um, But I have a good, a few good friends who are in the city who I do turn to and yeah, we just shoot the shit and it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs)
0: You've been talking a, a bit about this theme of like people who are healers in their own way mm-hmm. and how people don't necessarily need to have the title of being a doctor or being in the medical field to have that type of effect on people. Mm-hmm. Can you explain more about like what qualities you see being similar in all these people that you identify
2: as healers in their own way? Yeah, yeah, and I'm pr- going to bring this back to my mom because I – think she is 100% a doctor. She's the first physician that I have ever encountered. And by the way, like my mom's official role and her official like work is housekeeper. Um, but like the more I look at her, the more I'm just like, this is where my ability, my dreams stem from is because she is so selfless. And I, I'm not sure if selfless is what you have to be to be a healer, but I, in just the way that I view my mom, she has given her whole life to her children, to other people, and um, while, while also balancing her own herself um, at the same time. And she was there for my dad when he was going through the worst part of his life, and she took care of him and was his doctor. She knew everything about him, everything about uh, his disease and which many people like still don't know about. Um, and even after he he died like almost five years ago, um, she still wanted to be in that role of giving back to people and, while well, she still cleans houses now she, um, mainly takes care. She's a caregiver for um, the elderly, and like she's just <laughs> and I tell her like how her work. I ask her about work all the time, and she's like, "Mika, this these are my friends, and I love being with them, and I love talking to them. And I think, in that respect, I think of healing as just being with somebody and making a connection and. Taking on a little bit of their life so that they don't have to take on so much of the world, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, that's so, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful, so that's that's beautiful. Oh, <laughs> like oh my gosh, girl. Oh my
0: god.
3: So my mom is also a caregiver for elderly patients and oh. lots of patients with dementia and just. Hearing everything that you said, it just so, so resonates with me because my mom in the same way is a big part of why I wanted to go into medicine and just seeing how she cares for and loved her patients and how they love her in return. It's just so beautiful just to see sort of how she can sort of relieve that burden for them. And just what you said, oh yes, that just spoke to me. Girl, you got away with words. I know why you're a poet. It makes sense. It's all coming together. I'm telling you, it's, it's beautiful. I love it
2: appreciate that because sometimes in the moment I just get stage fright and I'm like "Ah," I I don't know what words are but (laughs) but yeah no it's such a beautiful thing I actually was able to meet um one of my mom's uh elderly clients I guess um and we she this woman lives in um assisted living facility and she suffers with I think mild cognitive impairment um and my mom, like, they were just so excited to see each other when mm-hmm. when I went there. They gave, they just wouldn't let go of each other. They were just kept giving each other hugs. And, like, the way that this woman spoke about my mom, with barely knowing her, was just absolutely, it was, it was like, the mother that I knew my whole life. And I'm like, you get it. <laughs> you totally understand. <laughs> yes. And it's just so, so beautiful, exactly what you said about your mother. And, Yeah. Yeah, we should get our moms together. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Let's bring them together. Yeah, talk, talk, talk. Totally.
1: And tell us what to do. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, that's
1: amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, you, I guess, do you have a poem to share with us?
2: I do. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I. So, I wrote this poem. In the beginning of summer, like around May, June. And this was like, um, it's kind of heavy. It was written like around the time when um, the border things were starting to happen and like intensify. Um, And uh, yeah, it was when the separation of families was going on and it was, I was just so heartbroken and writing is what I turned to that like, I, I did all the things, I talked to my mom, I cried, I, I ran, but none of it helped as much as writing did and this was just the product of it. Um, if I can pull it up. Um, should I just go ahead and read it? Yeah. Okay. <coughs> okay. And um, I titled it Untitled, Undocumented. It's cold, my blood is no longer mine. This doesn't make sense. Months ago, we were laughing, making tortillas, you with your innocent honey eyes, the sweetness that came when you were born, that hug and a whisper of, te quiero mucho, papi. I could smell your beautiful being, yo también te digo. How did we get here? Where are you? My head is spinning. I can't take this torture. All that replays in my mind is your smile. And how they took you and robbed that smile, buried it with generations of trauma, buried it so deep that nothing can ever grow from that soil. It has seen too much. They took you from my bare hands. The hands that held you as you came out of your mother's womb. The hands that held yours when you took your first steps. The hands that would blow kisses at you to ease your tears. The hands that would hug you so hard when you'd wake in the middle of the night, terrified of the nightmares you didn't yet know, were reality. The hands that were supposed to teach you so much more. I remember the game you loved to play. You'd pinch the wrinkly, cracked, leathered skin above my knuckles, wait for me to cry out in pain. But you were so gentle, you could never cause me pain. Ay, 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 I would say anyway, and you'd laugh. Will I ever see you again? Mi hija, mi reina, I tried so hard to protect you, but protection means nothing when your home country doesn't know good from evil thinks that little boys have hands big enough to hold guns, thinks that little girls have no value beyond their anatomy. This land was not meant for us. Para el norte nos fuimos. I did not know that the horrors of the north would rival what we left behind. But how could that surprise me when this so-called America put us at war in our own country placed a ticking time bomb into every crevice that when we discovered them, we didn't realize we were running toward the enemy too. That when we reached those hate constructed walls, a scene worse from hell but more subtle would be there to greet us. My hands are holding the space in my chest that used to hold my heart, trying to make it beat, trying to get the life back into me. But I feel that it is permanently broken now. It doesn't beat the same. The only thing that keeps me going are the images of you and your mother. I can breathe with the knowing of your breaths. The fact that this very earth is blessed to bear witness to the living, breathing thing that is you. Suddenly, my heart begins to dance. I am given new life. That even though I may not be able to experience your milestones, the earth will tell me of your triumphs. She will tell me of your heartaches, your failures, your loves, your life, your true essence of who you are and who you choose to be. And for me, to be your father is the greatest gift known to man. I will see you again, mi amor, because this love has no walls, no borders, no end. And when you feel sad and I'm not there, look to the earth and she will tell you of my triumphs, my heartaches, my failures, my loves, my life. She will tell you that the day you were born is the day I was born again. She will tell you how I've never stopped loving you and how you bring me to my knees each day, waiting for the day I can finally hold you in my arms. Until that day, I will patiently watch as you conquer the world, become president, Become a warrior of freedom, and the earth will tell you to listen to your heart, and you will know that I am always with you, siempre.
3: Wow.
0: <laughs> Just thank you so much for being you. I am so grateful to know you, mm-hmm. and I'm so
2: grateful to call you a friend. Thank you guys so much. Mm -hmm. I feel the exact same way. So great to be here.